This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. And we are going to the book of Exodus, chapter number 6, for one final time in this series in particular. Chapter 6 of Exodus, verse number 6. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel... I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know. Everyone say no. I would almost be willing to say that there's a few ways of looking at that word. I'm not quite certain that you could fully know the Lord without all of these promises being received. And I'm really not sure if you'll even fully know the Lord even beyond that. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's so much of God. Don't ever make the mistake of sliding into that mindset that you know all there is to know about the Lord. His ways are greater, higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than, higher than our thoughts. Bible says that, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Amen. There are four I will promises just within these two verses of scripture We'll look at them quickly. We spent week one on the big one. (laughs) I'm calling it the big one because it stands alone. Um, it, it, It is what it is. This is the plan and purpose of God for all, all, all the world, all humanity. And that is I will bring you out. The entire purpose and plan of God for all of humanity is that he will bring them out of sin, out of slavery, of sin. God's plan for your life, my life, everyone that was before us, everyone that will come after us until the establishment of his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, until everything is fully laid down as the perfect will of God. He's in the saving business. Come on somebody, say amen this morning. And until you're saved, and how that happens is taking him at his word that he can bring you out of sin. Once you put your faith in the beautiful gift of God's saving grace, once that happens, you can then enjoy the following promises of God, and that is I will free you if I can save you, and the, and the can is not on him, if you will allow him to save you, he then can partner with you and get you free from all of the residue, history, uh, leftover effects of sin that you've been involved in. He can set you free in your mind. He can set you free in your soul. He can clean you up, so to speak. Here's where we make the mistake, and I know it's an old southern adage. I, 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 know, I know even I've used it many a times. You never get good to get God. You get God to get good. 
In other words, you can't go uh, shave your face and put a suit and tie on and, and think that you just look so good that maybe God will love you. That's not how it works. God loves you in your suit and tie. God loves you in your flip-flops. I'm not sure if it's your Speedo or not, but he loves you in your flip-flops. <laughs> Even God might say, easy now. <laughs> Get them down to your knees or something. We don't want to see all that. But God loves you no matter what. God loves you at are you ready for this? God loves you in your sin. Whoa, whoa, preacher, what do you mean? Yeah, God loves you in your sin. He doesn't love your sin, but God loves you in your sin. So you can't go get good to get God. You get a hold of God and let him go to work delivering you and freeing you and helping you get better. Come on, somebody. So he says, I will bring you out. He says, I will free you. And then the scripture says that I will redeem you. I like the word restore. He'll put you back together again. He will restore you back to your original plan and purpose that he had for your life. Well, what was that plan and purpose? Well, I'm not, I can't really tell you exactly what it is for you, but God's not going to hide it from you. He wants you to discover it. He's wanting to reveal it. He's wanting to get you freed up in your mind and in your heart where you desire to know your original plan and purpose and in your journey of, of, of digging around and searching and praying and reaching and looking, God's gonna reveal piece after piece after piece after piece of the puzzle because he wants to restore you. He wants to put you back together again. That's redeeming, restoring. And then finally, he says, I will take you. Who is the you? That's, that's you, the saved the delivered, the restored. He wants to take you as you are and put you into a people group and let you live a life of fulfillment by being a part of something bigger than just you. He says, I will take you as my own people and I will be to you a God. He promises fulfillment. And here we get started today. Verse 7 our final part of the core, I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I wanna lay this down easily. I wanna lay it down clearly. God has always intended for you to live a life of fulfillment. He's never intended for you to live in lack, in sorrow, in hurt, in uh, depression. God has always intended for you to live life in fulfillment. But God also understands that he's got something that he's working with called humanity with a free will that unfortunately we always don't make the right turns in life and God is always able to work with what we bring him. And his job that he is the master at, he's the great one at, he's always bringing us back to fulfillment. Somebody say, that's good. 
Unfortunately, though, I believe that a lot of us, while God has intended for fulfilled lives for us, we, on the other hand, are not always living life to the fullest. It's because a few weeks ago, we still have a body, we still have a soul, which is our mind, our emotions, our, our will, our desires. And sometimes these things, they, they kind of they do things on their own. They get out of control. And we miss the mark of living life to the fullest. John 10 and 10. The King James version of scripture or rendering says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus says that I have come though that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The Living Bible, it's an interesting take on Scripture. The Living Bible says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Everyone say fullness. Think of these words. They're all the same word, but I'm, I'm kind of going to work from them in a different way. Full. Think of full. This bottle of water, it's, it's no longer full. I've already taken a small sip out of it. Uh, it's, it's, it's been depleted some. There's, there's full. There's fullest. There's fullness. There's fulfilled. All meaning maxed out. Completely maxed out. There's a word that we use around Christianity. Doesn't matter what faith family you come from. Uh, doesn't matter what denomination, if you will. If, you, if, you, if you've been around Christianity for a while, uh, even if you've come from a Jewish background, uh, you're familiar with a word that's kind of, it's kind of a cute word, a funny word. If you really pause and think about it outside of our Christian churchy culture, the word hallelujah is an interesting word. Selah is so crazy at times. Uh, she's she and I have so much in common personality-wise. We, we just ran a small little race at her school. Uh, they were doing a little fundraiser run, and we did the run. And, and Selah is kind of like her daddy. We kind of imagine that we're athletes at times. We, we fancy ourselves as athletic. We, we know how to dress athletically. We know how to walk athletically. We know how to talk athletically. We're really not real athletes at the, at, the, at the core of who we are. We're not really athletic. So we did this run, and it was so cute. She said, we're at the starting line, and there's just hundreds of people, probably about 300 adults and children all together. And she's like, stay up with me, okay? And I'm like, okay, baby, I'm going to stay up with you. Son, the, they, they cut the ribbon, and there's like a race clock. I mean, it's the real deal, right? So we just, we just take out. And I'm telling you, from here to that wall, she sprinted, and then it was like, okay, I need to walk. <laughs> and it was so cute because I was thanking God she was wanting to walk. I said, are you sure you want to walk? Yeah, I just need to walk. I said, okay, I'll walk with you. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so we're walking a little bit, and, and we ended up walking quite a, a, a while. Well, on the way back, I told her, I said, babe, you got you to get this. There's going to be a finish line. They have a race clock. The school mascot is there. Parents are there. 
They've got tables set up with water, with bananas and oranges and, and little healthy things. And they're going to welcome us back. We want to do our part. We don't want to walk across the finish line. <laughs> Kid doesn't miss anything. She says, so in other words, we want to run across and make them think we've ran the whole race. <laughs> and Larry, Larry, I'm like, yeah, but we don't want to say it that way. <laughs> she gets it, I get it, but we don't want to admit this. I said, ah, not really. We just want to do our part, and we want to run hard across that. We want to finish strong, sailor. And she's like, okay. So we come up to this one last stop sign, and I'm like, this is the last corner. When we get to this corner, it's on. We have to run. Okay, and we're walking casually. People are just, just rolling by us. We get to the corner, and she's like, Foom. she shoves me, makes me look like the slacker. She just takes off. I mean, it was like a movie scene, slow motion, hair blowing in the wind, sweat beads forming. She comes across the finish line, and my little churchified kid doesn't say, great, awesome, good job. She says, hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm like, really? You're going to act like you've just ran this whole race. She goes into drama mode, dude. And she's like, oh, God, I need a drink, need a drink. Banana, I got a cold banana. Oh, Lord, Lord, you okay, Dad? You okay? And I'm like, are you, dude, enough of the drama. <laughs> hallelujah. It's a funny word, right? If you take this word hallelujah, the first part, hallel, hallel, it's an exclamation of celebration of something that has been fulfilled. You have had a sense of fulfillment and hallel is to celebrate. It's, it's, it, and, and I'm almost leery of using this word that, that comes within the definition because you may get off track with this. It's to boast, but it's not on yourself. It's on God. You boast, you celebrate. It's victory because of something's been fulfilled. It's halal. There's a halal life that God wants you to live. It's maxed out. If you do further study on this halal, Cody, this is so cool. If you do further study on halal, it's to live large. Now, what's happened with all of our culture is if we say, Oh man, I I I I I know I know Benolux, man. Benolux lives large. Well, what does that mean in our culture? That means Beno's got pockets full of money, which he does. He's got pockets full of money, and 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 Glenda's got a purse full of coin, which she does, but that's not what we're preaching about. Of course I'm picking. We've misused the word halal by meaning that we live large, meaning money. You, you know what I'm saying? That saying, oh man, they're living large. Actually, the original intent of the word halal by living large meant to live completely fulfilled, large life, overflowing maximum capacity of fulfillment. And here's what's amazing. That's God's plan for you, Pastor Stephen Holland, that's in this service. That's God's plan for you and your family. It's God's plans for my family. We're the ones that oftentimes limit 
the Hillel life because we allow the enemy to creep in to steal, kill, and destroy. We take sips out of the full bottle of life and the enemy comes by and starts depleting it. And we very seldom go back to the well, the reservoir, and allow the replenishing gift of God's grace when he says that I want to save you, I want to deliver you, I want to restore you, I want to make you a people. And next thing you know, we're saved, we're loving God, but we're running half empty on fulfillment. A few things that I think that cause this is, number one, we allow our past to cripple us. The past comes by and takes sips out of our cup of blessing. It's like we're crippled by 10 years ago. The mistakes we made 10 years ago are still haunting us. The bad investment, the bad relationship, the bad stretch of sin that led to addiction. You've got a period of your life that you, that you just made a mess of things. Well, that was yesterday. It's almost like we're living our life. We're doing our best to drive through the rearview mirror. And meanwhile, God's saying, dude, the rearview mirror is small because it's yesterday. I've given you this huge windshield that takes you into tomorrow. You need to be going forward. I've said it a few times. God did not put these toes, these eyes pointing that way. He's got me heading in this direction for a reason. He doesn't want me to live my life going into yesterday. He wants me going into my, into my tomorrow. But why is it that we're determined to live life like this sometimes? Reaching into yesterday. I think our past cripples us. And it keeps us from fulfillment. The Hillel life. So our past is an issue. But then I also think another issue that we deal with is our culture. And I'm, 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 gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be me. I'm gonna take my liberty and preach the way I feel the Holy Spirit's led me to preach for the next few minutes. You cannot allow the culture that we live in to define you. And, and I'm almost, I almost wanna say, I'm gonna go old school for a minute. And I'm gonna correct myself on that thought. I've even put these words in my notes. It's not old school to be biblical. Somebody tweet that. That's tweet worthiness, or as Pastor Ron would say, that's chirp worthiness, chirp that. Can't quite get that term down, tweeting and chirping. <laughs> it's not old school to be biblical. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm fixing to touch the elephant in the room. And for some of you, you're going to be extremely nervous because you don't think that these things should be touched any longer. And the reason you think this is because culture has told you it doesn't matter any longer. But sin will not just cripple you in the past. Sin will cripple you in your now through the avenue of culture. What do I mean by culture? Culture meaning that you need to get over it. This is the culture of life and this is life. Homosexuality, it is here and it's here to stay. You just need to deal with it and get comfortable with it. Culture wants you to think this way. You start thinking this way, you start embracing these sinful things into your world 
and just pacifying them that it's okay because it's not popular to touch these topics. And I'm not one of those preachers who say, preachers never preach about sin. There's a lot of preachers preaching about sin. Before you go on Facebook and post, I wish preachers would preach the Bible. Hey, don't, you, you may be talking about one or two guys. There's a lot of preachers still preaching against sin and preaching, against, um, and preaching the Bible. So don't be so hard on an office that's trying to make its way through culture as well. Can I have an amen this morning? But will I, can I tell you this? Culture, culture wants you to move away from this truth to creating your own truth. And more than likely, you're not creating your own truth because you're ignorant. It's because you love people and you care and you don't want to offend. So in your goodness, you make exceptions and you have tolerance for things that God does not accept and God does not tolerate. But because you love people out of a genuine care for society and community, we make areas okay that God's never said okay. And this is what happens. There's, there's another sip coming out of your cup of fulfillment. And the next thing you know, you've, you've become You've become okay, numb. Uh, uh, you've become content with just accepting that they're going to do what they're going to do. I'm going to love people anyway. Without question, continue to love people. But don't put a muzzle on your mouth of truth. Because at the end of the day, sin leads to death. And that's not, that's not, my, that's not what I've put into play. God has this in motion. And God wants to bring people out of sin and save them. And I know it hurts to think about, you know, put it like this. Um, I've got a preacher friend of mine uh, that, that's spending his whole day today in, 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 in a way that I don't think I would ever spend a whole day talking about this, but I will spend a few minutes talking about it. Isn't it crazy that the biggest movie in the world right now is a movie that's extremely dark and full of sin? Now, here's what I know. Most, some of you would say, well, all movies are full of sin. I get that, but not like what we're dealing with now. It's at a whole nother level, man. Uh, it would be so easy to go back years ago when I was told, don't go to the movies. Going to the movies will send you to hell. It wasn't the going to the movies that were going to send me to hell. It was making room of the content that I would be viewing and becoming okay with the sinful nature of man, that's where you get in trouble with salvation. Boy, am I on thin ice? Don't, don't go shouting me down in here. <laughs> it's not so much where you're going, because, man, I watched a many a wrong movie in my house growing up. But it was okay because it was in your house, not in the theater. That's where it was all weird and just ignorant, uneducated. Pardon me. So it's kind of like we got to get back to identifying the issue at hand. Culture is not the entity that defines you. The word of God is who defines us. We are the righteousness of God. Jesus has come and brought us out of Egypt. We are in the process of grace being free from, a, from years of slavery to sin. You can't, though, 
approach grace as permission to never change. You can't put your arms around God's grace as your best buddy that's always going to get you out of trouble. That's not grace. Grace actually calls you to a higher standard of living than any law could have ever done. Because now it's your heart and your love for God, not a rod on your back. It's the heart and the love of God that wants to please God. Come on, somebody. So back to my, my point here. I think that we're not living the Hillel life oftentimes because of our past. And I think we're missing the boat sometimes living for God because we're allowing culture to have our ear. We're allowing culture to, to steer our thoughts. We, we, it's almost like, and, and I'm, I'm having some fun here with just an example. It, it's almost like culture, the ways of God. Culture, the ways of God. And what we want to do is, is have both. I'm not going to get away from the word of God, but man, I just, I think some of this would make sense. Man, it's always got to be like this. Or you're not going to be fulfilled. Again, we're not going to take this and throw it away. That's silly. We're salt and light in this world. We need this world. We need every sinner. We need every backslider. We, we need that because that's the mission of the gospel. But it's always got to be covered by the word of God. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. I told myself not to spend too much time there. But you know what? I wonder if we ought to spend more time there sometimes. Another thing I think that kind of keeps us from the Hillel life is we try to do life alone. We try to do it by ourselves. Even in the beginning of time, in the creation story, God never intended for man to be alone. There was the helpmate thing, but then there became the family. God has always intended for us to be connected to others because the Bible tells us that there's power, there's strength in togetherness. Here's a, here's a sad look in Scripture of the lonely life. Ecclesiastes chapter number 4 and verse 8 in your NLT, it would say it this way. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child, without a brother. But yet he works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Seems, seems like in scripture that this man that Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 8 is referring to has everything except someone he has it all, Matt, except someone to enjoy it with. And this is where our fourth promise comes into play. It talks to us. It taps us on the shoulder and reminds us, don't allow your past to hinder you and cripple you and hold you back. Don't allow culture to define your next step. And don't take your next step by yourself. Ultimate fulfillment is when you're a part of a family making a difference because God is in the middle of it. 
It begins with a calling. 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse 9. God saved us. He reached into Egypt and brought us out of sin. He saved us and then he called. He called us to this holy work, the scripture says. We had nothing to do with it. It was all God's idea. A gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. This is where the Hillel life starts. It starts with a calling. Jesus is calling you to a life of fulfillment. How do you get there? You answer the call. How do you answer the call? You say the words, I'm all in. I'm a part of this. I want to make a difference. Matter of fact, let's just do something. These two sections right here. I want you to say these words. I want to make a difference. Say it one more time. I want to make a difference. Okay, that's going to be your saying today. All right? Don't forget it. Nudge your neighbor and say, if you forget it, I'll remind you. I want to make a difference. That's all you got to remember. I want to make a difference. It's real easy, okay? We're going somewhere with it. This Hillel life starts with a calling. And how do you say yes to the calling? You say the words. Yeah, it's real easy. You just got to say the words. Ah. And this calling has a cause. There's a purpose in it. There's a reason for it. It's the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a back end to the calling. He's calling you. And how do you say yes to the calling is by saying, oh, Molly's on it. She spoke up loud and quick. I heard that voice. Acts chapter 20 and 24 Acts 20 and 24 says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that work is telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a cause that counts and it makes a difference. So here it is again. I want to make a difference. Middle section, you want to go on your own? Are you big boys and girls that don't need all of them? Y'all think y'all got it? Come on, somebody. I need you to buy into this. Oh, I like it. I like it right there. Dorinda, wake Craig up. Okay, here we go. All you've got to say is this. By doing something that makes a difference. Say it with me. By doing something that makes a difference. I'm going to love getting some of y'all confused in a little bit. You're going to think the Holy Ghost all came upon you. You're going to be speaking in tongues. And I would difference. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> that one. One more time quickly. And the gospel makes a difference. Last but not least, this fourth promise that I will make you a people and I will be to you a God. Everything changes in the core because it connects me to we. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. This hand, it's not of much value if it's not attached to this arm. This foot doesn't do much unless it's attached to this leg. I got news for you. You can't do as much as you could do for God if you just try to do it on your own. 
I got bigger news than that. You can't live for God as fulfilled as you could by partnering with somebody else. You've got to move from the me thinking to the we thinking. The power of a church, whether it be the local church or whether it be the universal blood-bought entity of God, the church of God, no matter how you look at it, it cannot do all that it's called to do without a we factor. There's power in we. Come on, somebody, say amen. So here's what we're trying to get across. We need each other. You ready? All you guys, y'all up? Y'all up for a challenge? Y'all want to hear your parts? Here it comes. With people, if I say with people, not y'all, hush. Over here, say with people that want to make a difference. One more time. With people that want to make a difference. One last one. With people that want to make a difference. Here it goes. I heard some tongue-tied folks. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. Was it you, Donna? <laughs> She's proud about it. I didn't get it. Here's the thing. Very few people really do get it, Donna. And not just the sayings. Very few people get to this life of fulfillment by wanting to make a difference, by doing something that makes a difference with people that want to make a difference. Everything changes in the corporate level. Everything changes in the, in, the, in the religious level. Everything changes in the political level. Come on, somebody. Everything changes globally. Everything changes in, in, internally. Whenever you want to make a difference by doing something that's going to make a difference with people that want to make a difference. Man, when you can get to this point in life, you're running at fulfillment, halal life. You're maxed out. Man, you're wanting it, you desire it, you're doing it, and you're sharing it. Whoo, man, you talk about the gospel story. Jesus Christ wanted to make a difference, and boy, he made a difference by going to the cross for all humanity, and he did it for who? For we for us, for all the world. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Music team, come quickly. Music team, come quickly this morning. And I'm going to have everybody stand. And I want everybody to come down front this morning as we close. Come as close as you can. We're going to have a little fun closing this out. I've just got a few more things to say before I pray over you and get you to your class. Amen. Come as close as you can this morning. I want to make a difference. By doing something that makes a difference. With people that want to make a difference. I want you guys to play a little music this morning. I want you to kind of help me out. Just kind of create a little vibe here before we pray over everybody. Come close. Come close. Come close. Mr. and Miss Waterhouse, I'm glad you're here today. It was a pleasure meeting you this morning. This is a new family to Burleson. They moved here from Garland. I told them they came out of Egypt to the promised land. <laughs> I met their beautiful sons. They've got a nine-year-old, an uh, eight-year-old, and they have a four-year-old. They're new to Burleson. They live over in Mistletoe Hill. Is there any Mistletoe Hill residents in this first service? Right beside them. I want you to, Charles and Dan, I want you to meet this couple. They live in your neighborhood. And I'm glad that they're here today. This is your, what, third Sunday or second Sunday? Third Sunday? 
Second, this is your second Sunday? <laughs> That's funny, y'all arguing about it. No, second, third, man, second, third. Don't worry about it. Y'all can work that out later. But we're glad you're here this morning. Amen. Let me close with this. In the very center of everyone's heart that stands at this altar, all of you want to make a contribution because God made you that way. You want to make a contribution. You want to offer something to see something progress. That's why you referee ball games. That's why you teach school. That's why you turn wrenches. That's why you show up to work and answer phone calls. That's why you change diapers on little ones. That's why you feed your family in the evening hour. That's why you, you're wanting to make a difference. You're, 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 you're making a contribution somewhere. You're contributing to life. This is what I know. Link up with God. Start making a contribution in something that's going to last for eternity. Not only do you want to make a contribution, every single one of us in this room, all of us, Kurt, every one of us, from you all the way to Mike Yarger, everyone surrounded, we all want to be a part of a community. That's why we go to country clubs. That's why we go to, uh, to concerts. That's why we have schools. Being a part of a community. That's why we have neighborhoods, communities. This is a community of faith. And there's thousands of great churches in this metroplex. There's four or five churches in this city that if I were not a pastor, I'd love to be a part of. They're good churches. But this is a good church. This is a community that is worth being a part of and linking up to. Make a contribution in this community. And last but not least, before I pray over you, not only do you want to make a contribution to a community, man, when you do life with each other, this band, when you make music together, I don't know how long I could stay and listen if it was just one of you by yourselves. It would be good, but boy, I'll stay longer when you're a band because it all makes sense now. That's why we have rhythm and we have, we, 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 we have all of the different instruments coming together to do what? Create music. Well, I got news for you. Celebrating life is a lot better when you have someone to celebrate with. People ask me all the time, Pastor Tommy, do you, do you ever go play golf by yourself? Very seldom. It's just not that much fun. And it's my favorite thing to do. I just don't like it that much by myself. You ever go hunting by yourself? No, because nobody would believe me if I killed a big deer. <laughs> they would think I photoshopped the picture. <laughs> Man, aren't you thankful for somebody else in your life, your wife, your husband, your kids, your neighbor? I hope you're thankful for your church. Don't do life alone. God wants you to move, move you from a me to a we that's where fulfillment comes Joyce I want to pray over you today Father we come to a conclusion of a teaching series that I feel so confident that you birthed within my heart at the right time for the right reasons Lord I believe that this is going to become a part of the culture here at Calvary Church and we're going to do our best from an administration point of view to put things in place to even enhance these four promises. Father, I ask you to give me wisdom. 
give me wisdom and give me sensitivity as I lead and preach the gospel message that you will bring people out. Give me sensitivity and wisdom, God, to put the right, put the right programs and put the right people in the right programs to create places of freedom and deliverance along their journey. I need you. I need you, God, to guide me. I see it in my faith, but I'm not smart enough to do it on my own. I need you, God, to partner with me because I know where you're taking us. You're taking us to fulfilled, full, full lives. And I need your strength. I need your wisdom. Help me, God, lead this church to a place of deliverance from issues and bondage and challenges. And God, it doesn't come just from a Sunday sermon. Sunday sermons are good to get us saved, but this church is missing a lot of things. It's missing a lot of areas of ministry, God, that will help those get delivered. And I ask you, God, to be patient with me as I am patient with you as you help me put the right pieces of the puzzle together. Father, I ask you to move your spirit upon every one of us, God, as we move into our futures together in this just a few months of this leadership change. I'm so humbled by it. And God, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing even now in this service today. It's setting the, setting the momentum towards a place of discovering our gifts, at restoring our gifts, at restoring our plans and purposes. And Father, I ask you to take every selfish individual in this church and I ask you to turn us to team players let us not stand on the sidelines and just hope that everybody else does their part but God change us to a place that wants to make a difference with people that want to make a difference we don't want to just sit on a pew and say I hope that band does good today I hope that preacher does good today but God let us buy into the concept of community making contributions where we can celebrate together and live the Hillel life. I pray this in Jesus' name. I receive it by faith. And let everybody say amen. Michael, come up here with me real quick, buddy. Come up here real quick. I close with this. I celebrate this decision. Michael Davis is an unbelievable gift to my life. Michael has been in ministry for many, many years. He's served as a youth pastor, as an assistant pastor. He's done well in ministry. Beyond that, he's a, just a gifted contractor does so much different types of work and God's blessed his hands that are connected to his mind and he's got a gift for the patent of construction and hard work he's not scared of it and he's good at it I've kind of sat on something for a few months waiting for the timing of God looking for the right will of God and I feel very 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 confident in my decision Michael and Laura Davis his beautiful wife and children are stepping into the leadership position of our SALT ministry, our outreach ministry that Brother Ronnie Gonzalez created, birthed, and just, just did an amazing job for Calvary Church. It opened our eyes to serving, and I owe him so much of 
gratitude because of it. But I've sat on things. I got through my own installation. I kind of got through the holidays. And I feel it's time that we move forward with our salt ministry. And on March the 22nd, Sunday evening, we'll have a tag-in session. We're going to be at Grump's in Burleson. It's a hamburger place. And I feel very confident in not only the leadership ability, because that's I, I know that. I've seen it. I've watched it. But I feel confident in the decision made. All of you that have been a part of SALT, I want you to be uh, gracious and receive Michael and Laura. He's not Ronnie. He's a lot skinnier and a lot thinner. I got a feeling he's just as strong, though, as my friend Ronnie. But Ronnie, Ronnie did things Ronnie's way. And just as so many of you have been so sweet to tell me, you be you, Tommy. We love our bishop, but you be yourself. That means so much to me. I ask you to be patient with him and let him be himself because he's got a heart for the lost and our salt ministry is going to thrive. It's going to look different. It's going to sound different. It's going to be different, but it's going to be blessed of the Lord. So for all of you that are interested in salt, I ask you to get to know him. You're going to see him. You're going to hear him a lot. He's going to be around. And he and his wife have been coming to Calvary for two years, almost two years now. And they never miss a service from Midlothian. They're in the process of trying to move to Burleson. We're going to do our, help, our best to help them get here because they want to commit and be the best they can for the kingdom. Amen. Could you welcome that? Ask your neighbor, why is he so stinking emotional right now? I don't know. Just leave me alone. I don't know why. I don't like what I, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable right now. I don't like it. I feel like I'm watching a sad movie or something. And I'm not sad. I'm happy. And I don't know what it is. But I'm about to go to my office. Don't talk to me. I want to go to my office and be alone. I've got my one cry in for the year. My staff always ask me, well, man, you just never cry. I did. It's over, okay? <laughs> Lord, I love you. I thank you for what I feel in my heart. I don't understand why I'm emotional. I don't get it. I'm not going to try to get it. But I just speak a word of peace over us. We've come to a conclusion of a great two months. And now, God, I ask you to just bring us into our future. Bless it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. I love you. You're dismissed.